Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to be talking about in this episode, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices you're listening to. So I'm Hass, I make strip panel naked on YouTube, I edit the Eisner winning panel by panel magazine and I letter and edit comic books. And I'm Aditya and I letter comics like Hellblazer, Coffin Bound and Graffiti's Wall. So the format of the show is every week we like I bring a topic and then the digital brings a topic and then we solve those problems in comics uh, seamlessly and effortlessly um, and then we we see you again for the next episode. So this week we've got two topics again. Uh, my topic is about what sort of puts you off when you're reading a comic or what puts you off from from kind of reading a comic any further. Right, and my topic is comic book grids. So we're gonna such a large topic. So we're gonna we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we, we, you want to start with Alan, mine, you right? Know, Alan, Alan Moore solved it thirty five years ago. So let's let's have a go at this. That's true. It'll only take us two minutes, and it'll be easy. Um, we were we had a mini brief conversation like yesterday. This is so. It's, I always find it weird when you talk about days on a podcast because obviously this is probably going to come out in like two months. So right. <laughs> to, yeah. To, no, but it was so, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so but we, we were talking about um like the thing that makes you either want to carry on reading a comic or the thing that like within the, f- the first couple of pages makes you know that this is not for you and i think like so are you talking about like just issue ones or just like any comic in general i think probably more issue ones or at least the first issue that you're gonna read because I, i'm, I'm right. much more forgiving when i'm already into something right it, like if it, hmm. if it has the hallmarks of a of something i don't like in the first issue in issue three but i'm already into it i'm much i'm, right. I'm already kind of you know i'm already rolling with the storyline um so more gotcha. like the first the first kind of issue that you're going to engage with hmm. yeah the, the the thing that got me so i i was reading something the other day and it was like within the first couple of pages was just a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth dialogue between two just human like normal human characters, right. and that and that's what raised it for me because that was the thing that I then found it really really difficult to to get into it because it, essentially the comic was presenting me with I think it was just two characters it was just two human characters in uh, I can't remember where it was it's just like a very normal human location and they were just right. and they were essentially getting a lot of the exposition out of the way but like like the, like very immediately. And, so it wasn't uh, even exactly like interesting conversation. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't like it wasn't super interesting conversation. It, I think it was necessary, probably, as in like mm. I needed to read it to kind of get anything out of the rest of it because I, I kind of skimmed yeah, right the rest. I actually would like to come back to that necessary thing because I, I no. find that a big problem with comic book writing. But no, I uh, think necessary is in like for me to enjoy the rest of it. I kind of did need to read that. Um, right, like, I don't, but I'm it's not like it's like you're, you're in, doing homework to, like to get to the fun bit. <laughs> Right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- I mean that that that's weird. Like you're reading a story that's supposed to be entertaining. This is this is not exactly like a Proust or something, right? This is like mm-hmm, a normal mm-hmm. entertaining comic book story. But mm-hmm. like you get you're given this kind of uh, biscuits to chew on <laughs> before you get to the cake for some reason. Right. Right. It's well. I mean, the, the obvious way to circumvent that is to, you know, do a kind of like a cold open, right? Or like a, you know, show show bit the ending of the story in the first couple of pages, and then and then jump back to two people having yeah. a conversation if if you feel like that is necessary. Which is, the, which is the standard that's, that's standard way. Lazy. Isn't that kind of lazy? Like it's it's not. Um, basically, it's like they're saying that okay, there's a promise of something fun and weird <laughs> later. Right, but you that, gotta get through this bit first. That's exactly, but that's also that on a broader point that I always found that f- interesting about um, 
because you're right i think absolutely absolutely but it's also like the cheapest way of doing something yeah but it's also quite effective right like if you open you open the comic book and you see someone running down the street and then all of a sudden they get murdered and then you see like you know there's like a, a bit of narration and it's like my life all wasn't always this complicated uh, until last week and then you know they get stabbed and die and then it cuts back to seven days ago right like that's the yeah. that you can map any story onto that and it's and it, it's effective enough to get <laughs> to, to coast through yeah, the first few pages but but that's that's the whole thing at this point because uh, do you listen to this uh, podcast called Script Notes um, uh, no it's, it's yeah, it's by John August and Craig Mason. So there are two screenwriters who are talking about screenwriting and they have this thing mm-hmm. called the three-page challenge where uh, they're given only three pages of a screenplay, uh, which is the beginning, and right. they kind of critique it. They critique it as an opening, they critique it as a you know gambit. Mm-hmm. And they have something called the Stuart special. So basically they had an assistant called Stuart who would select uh, the scripts for them to read. And right. he had this thing where um, something really interesting would happen and then it would end with, oh, but two weeks ago. <laughs> right, yeah. Get to yeah. the boring bit. So it's like, it's not even like it's very uncommon at this point. You know, mm-hmm. you know what's going on. It's like the, it's either like a sort of like a Doctor Who cold open, right. um, yeah, which yeah. is kind of something has already happened. Or mm-hmm. if it's, it's like a Stuart special cold open, which is like something is going to happen later. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you're going to catch up to the story. But that's but there is all but that's also I think there is an element of uh, genre detective stuff that also because it, 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 we're talking about like shortcuts right and I always find that interesting about like the the, the sort of detective story when your comic is not hmm. really a detective story like I remember when we did the Whipping <laughs> Divine issue of Panel by Panel I I spoke to uh, Kieran Gillen about that about like how that first arc of Wickdiv was like a detective story but it says, but then it didn't really go anywhere like yeah it's it, like it was, the comedian dying. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like with this, we're hooking you in on the premise of there is a mystery to be solved, but the comic is not really interested in that mystery. It's just a way yeah. to like sell you the comic book and then and Keep therefore and then make you buy yeah. issue two, right? Because um, mm. that's what that's the big that's the the trick, I suppose, with comics is that second issue. Is if you can get someone thinking like I'll buy the second issue, then you can probably get them <laughs> to read the rest. Um, but yeah, I, but I, so I I don't like begrudge that approach. I don't mind that like that approach doesn't necessarily put me off. Like I've read many comics that I've thoroughly enjoyed. That has led with that premise of like the exciting thing will happen, uh, and we'll show you a bit of it yeah. at the start. Like, so I don't that doesn't put me off so much. And I would have preferred it if anything, if that comic had done that instead. Um, <laughs> I think actually saying that this is I'm trying to be non-specific. Obviously, I don't want to be uh, disparaging yeah. about something that I've read. But... I, I know which comic you're talking about because you told me about it yesterday. <laughs> it did, but that that had a kind of cold open, right? It, but it still required yeah. a lot of dialogue to get to the reveal. So I think there are ways to do that kind of uh, something's about to happen to me. I've died, but l- let's go back two weeks ago and, and solve the case. Um, yeah. And I, and I think if you open up the comic and you, the first thing that you see is it's kind of like almost like a wall of text. That right. to me is very is very difficult for me to get into because it feels like I, it feels like I, I there isn't I don't have a hook or anything yet. Um, and, I, and maybe right. it's, maybe it's just comics because if I open up a prose novel and. The, <laughs> There is a wall of text. Then I'm, I'm not actually going. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I just want there to be something. And I think if what if what the comic if all the comic has got to offer me initially is nuanced dialogue conversation or something like that, I'm, I, it, so it always feels to me like it's missing a trick. Like I could have probably just read that as prose. No, but it's also like I think, I think yeah, but. 
Right, but also nuance, like what you just said about nuanced dialogue. Now, this is a problem with the with the particular comic that you're talking about and other comics, where uh, <laughs> while they are waiting for the explanations to happen, nobody's actually doing anything, right? Like the characters right. aren't. Um, there is nothing happening that is telling you about the characters. Like, see, on the mm-hmm. other hand, mm-hmm. let's take um, let's take these savages. Okay, these savages. The right. first three pages are a conversation between two characters who are literally lying down. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's a lot happening in that dialogue that is not simply exposition. Like, it right. has a lot to. It is. It is saying something about the characters. It is saying something about the story. Uh, but the mm-hmm. the comic that you're talking about, it's literally just. Um, you're not getting to know what these people are like. You're not getting to know how they're like with each other. You don't. You're not getting to know the. You know the tiny contact, uh, the conflicts that kind of happen in, right. you know, between colleagues or whatever it is. You're just mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. like, oh, this is some information. That is some information. That is some information. That is some information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all related. It's, it's, it's not, you know. I was, was going to say it's, it's it, it raises like a bigger problem, which is also I, I sometimes have this with comics where like if even if I'm in the middle of a story and I turn the page and there is just chunked dialogue, um, yeah, that that can throw me off. Like I, I get that as a kind of almost like a European model where it's like, look, we're just going to dump all the exposition onto like one <laughs> or two pages in the middle of the comic, right. and then the rest will be we'll have more time to breathe. But there is something about a, a series of a sequence or a series of panels where the visuals are doing nothing more. Than almost being like a prose version of like comma he said at the end of a you know a bit of a bit of dialogue, and right? I, I just show you, this guy's face, that guy's face, that person's face, this person's face. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you're not learning anything in that. And when the and when the dialogue is so expositional, then you, you're kind yeah. of hitting a, a roadblock. You're, in that, you're not getting much else out of it. Like I said before, we recorded that if that if the same comic had been, for example, using like two weird looking aliens or like I don't know, like two giants or something, just something that made it visually not. Hmm be something i'd seen before then like i may have gone i may have gone a bit longer with it but it was like right, i think yeah. it's, it's that presentation of when the visuals are offering you something that's just entirely standard and when the dialogue is offering you something that's entirely standard even if that story then becomes the greatest thing i've ever read right if i'd gone all the way i think there's there's such a challenge with it with it with creating and crafting like a smart opening right no i, I get what you're saying and it's also like um you know you know in acting people they, they have this thing called business where um like what you're doing while you're talking right yeah yeah and there's too many comics which don't have any any of that like you mm-hmm. know you know real people just sit and talk but people in stories are not supposed to just sit and talk right even <laughs> right. even in prose you would generally um you know write them doing something you know like uh, if there's a big dialogue happening somebody will move their arms in a certain way somebody will maybe clench somebody will uh, you know yeah. i don't know fiddle with fiddle with the label on a beer bottle or something like that like there's something mm-hmm. that's telling you something um apart from what is being said mm-hmm. uh, because people don't like people don't talk uh, real people can do exposition like real people can talk in expository ways but also yeah. people real people have layers in their conversations right mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. not saying they, they're not saying like in that same situation with other people they would have said something different right yeah. they, they're, yeah. they're tailoring their everything that they're saying to the person in front of them and that needs to kind of come across right like that needs to I mean, I'm not even talking about genre at this point. I'm just talking basic writing stuff. Where well, that's, 
it's that's bringing to yeah I, I, like the, the, my cl- classic like go to example of that is Darwin Cook on Selena's big score, which has a whole right. series of dialogue sequences, which which essentially do work as exposition, right? It's just like someone yeah. explaining where they need to go next and what they need to do next. But so many of them are told in in close ups on like hands. Uh, there's like one of the, with the with the guy that kind of like opening he's like opening a, a cigarette box and lighting a cigarette as he's doing this exposition. Or well, there's one yeah. that's like takes place in, entirely in silhouettes and shows like two characters getting closer and closer together as the as the dialogue is playing out. And so you're you're doing something with the visuals there that's telling you a second story um, yeah. beyond just like that. Uh, I, I just finished East of West uh, a couple of days ago, and yeah. that's something where uh, that Marvel style of writing kind of I, I think helped them because mm-hmm. I'm sure Hickman just wrote these monologues that all these people say. <laughs> because he could trust i mean uh, i'm i'm not even saying that that as, as anything wrong because yeah, he yeah. knew that dragota's going to break those up and he's going to kind of make them a lot more interesting to look at mm-hmm. and then then hickman can always come back and like rewrite something if uh, necessary or whatever yeah. so like that there are there are so many monologues in east of west but they are never less than visually interesting because yeah. there's always some kind of business happening and especially when you're writing a your first issue I mean, this is really important, right? Like, as a writer, you're supposed to give the artist something to do. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to give the artist something to chew on. Like, you know, keep their interest, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I think as a comic book writer, um, you're going to take a lot less time to write something than the artist is going to draw it. So, you <laughs> yeah. kind of, just as a creator, you should make it interesting for them. And then it's it's kind of a feeling as a collaborator as well as a writer, right? That Right. You, you you've got somebody's talents at your disposal essentially and you're just not making any kind of interesting use of them but that's uh, that, so that's that, a case of it's also interesting if you know because you can see that engagement when it's finished on the page too like you can you can see if an artist was like into this or if they were just kind of <laughs> they were going through oh, the motion that's all they had yeah. right that's all they had yeah the one i want to want to mention uh real quick was is uh tyler boss's new book which is um dead dog's uh bite and the right. first page of that first issue is, I think it's a nine-panel grid, maybe, and it's basically right. just someone talking to the. It's just like a guy in a suit talking to the audience, and essentially right. just setting up the story. Right? It's just he's hmm. just giving some exposition in a, in a quite a nice lyrical way. But what made makes that uh, that first page so so much more interesting than if Tyler had just drawn a static shot of a of a person's face is that the opening sequence is uh, like a shot down a street and there's like a manhole cover. And then the second panel is like the manhole cover is opened and the guy's climbing out of it. And the third panel is like, there's like a guy in a pristine blue suit who's just like climbed out of this manhole cover who starts talking to you. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, it doesn't matter yeah. what the rest of the page would be. I was like, this yeah. is weird. Like, this is really interesting. <laughs> I love this. And so the rest of the page is just that 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 uh, that person in the suit, like delivering, essentially delivering a monologue. But by just doing something to make that different, like just doing something visual that makes that stand out a little bit differently and it gives it a bit of character, it, it informs everything else that you then read, right? Because if right. you start you throw in a quirk or you throw in some kind of visual oddity or something like that, then it completely yeah. changes the way the rest of the sequence is read. Whereas if, if that sequence began with just someone talking to the camera in a suit, you know, you're asking a bit too much potentially. Uh, you know, even if you've reversed it and they begin speaking at the start and then they get into the manhole cover at the end, you're putting the quirk at the end and you're asking someone to get through the text before the quirk. Yeah. That makes sense, right? And so it's even just something as slight as that is such an interesting way to uh to, to take it, something that's like, standard and, and change it and make it you know, make it unique. 
Yeah, and you're you're almost talking about like kind of like these Julie Schwartz cover things at this point where um you know the cover says some sets up something very very interesting. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. kind of okay if like the first five pages of the comic doesn't do anything with it, like those right, covers right. are why why people bought the book. So it's kind of like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something incredibly strange at you. And then, then also actually the, then the mundanity actually kind of helps because then you're kind of increasing the tension. Like, right, you right. Know, like what is happening here? Why, why did this person who walked out of a manual cover in an impeccable <laughs> blue suit just start talking without like acknowledging that this was a weird thing to do or whatever? Yeah. And see, and now that is essentially the thing we talked about before. Like that comic does that thing of going like something weird is happening later on in the story and we will get yeah. to that, but take, but, no, but it also, doesn't... I think it's. No, go on, sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it does it in a way that we've seen so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, the, what, what you just described, the, the Tyler Boss comic, that doesn't do that. That's like an, that's genuinely strange even at this point. But what <laughs> right. this other comic was doing, it's like, no, we've seen like hundreds of genre TV series at this point. We've read hundreds mm-hmm. of genre comics at this point. Everybody does this. <laughs> there, there, is, there is there is a point about... Um... I think thinking visually, and we there was that that uh, Mazzucchelli, uh talk from like a New York. Oh man, that was so good. Around. Like, uh, let me just actually pause pause this here. Like, so David Mazzucchelli recently, like, uh, it was recently uploaded. I don't remember when he did it, but there's a 35 minute talk by him uh, on YouTube about storytelling, and he just breaks down storytelling fundamentals. Like, it's never about, um, it's always about like the why you're doing this kind of thing it's not it's not it's not trick tips and tricks it's much more kind of like just breaking things down to the fundamentals which you should watch like if you if you're if you're listening to this podcast you should definitely watch that yeah it's super smart like it's like it's yeah. super 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 smart it's so cool it's so good um, yeah but that's but there's and he talks a lot in there about elements and, and this and elements and this uh, there is a point about like thinking visually uh when trying to write and i think that there is an ele- especially with an opening i think there's something key to that and that, that it's it's always my bugbear with dialogue and i feel like this is probably something that i've talked about on this show like a million times before is yeah. is that idea of dialogue with just someone's face right with, with like you know to me it's like no matter how well crafted that dialogue is if it's just a, if it's yeah. just like a series of talking heads there's it's always losing like a quality of it and well, you're talking about East of West with with um, Hickman and, and Nick, and like that is probably a good a good example of like choosing moments when to just say to your artist like this is this is the point I'm trying to get across. Like, what can you do with <laughs> yeah. that rather than just script it as you know uh, blah 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 says this and then panel two same shot panel three same shot. Exactly, I I think this is a failure of thinking. Like, it's a failure of engaging with the medium. You're um, th- I mean, this is this is one of actually my bugbears about what what puts me off a comic, a comic mm. that's clearly written by somebody uh, who really wanted to be making be making a TV show mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. writing a prose novel, but right. like they're just doing comics for no real reason. And <laughs> so, like uh, there 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 is a, there is a, a comic that I read recently, which was like, this is the first ten pages of a prose novel. This is not twenty four pages of a comic, right? Like there was nothing in that comic which needed a drawing. Like there's nothing <laughs> in that comic that needed somebody to have sat down and spent like a month drawing it. Right. And right. I was like, why did you do that? And the, this is also like kind of the TV show thing. Like what 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 we're just describing, for example, 
the actors would be doing a lot of things with that like let's let's say you have 24 pages of dialogue 24 pages mm-hmm. of a comic that's mainly just the dialogue and mainly yeah. just the exposition the the character the actors would be doing what i described earlier as business and like the actors would be kind of trying to portray characters now obviously this would be bad tv dialogue as well but uh, at least they there would be actors doing something with it this is one artist who's kind of creating a whole world on the page and you've essentially not giving him any kind of thing to um, express character right um, or express mystery or express any kind of um, mystique that mm-hmm. they can kind of uh, hang on to and it's because you're not engaging with the medium like it's not that difficult like tom king does this for example like he um there's a lot of bits where people are just talking but right. there's something that he's doing with the page like he's not like it's not just somebody like just that oh on this person on this person on this person on this person yeah, yeah. and like just the dialogue is there like there's something being done visually there's something being done to kind of express and also like a good comic uh, comic book writer would cut down a lot of that dialogue they would basically kind of understand that if i make the character do certain things that expresses um this thing better mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it actually gives um my character's room to move on the page and then you know that's a, that makes for a better comic but that is, that can only happen by engaging with the medium right yeah well there is, i think there is an element of like you know some i think sometimes you when you see a script uh, and obviously, like we, you know, we tend to see quite a few scripts, right? And sometimes you can yeah. see when you see a script, you can see that the script has been written, like how do you, how do you describe this? It's been written as from the writer as almost like being a complete thing, right? Before it goes to an artist. And I've seen right. plenty of scripts that feel like this is someone who's trying to make this script be the finished thing. And the problem with that is, and it, it leaves you. Does that? Does you, do you get what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, I do get what I'm. What do you mean? I, I want to see where you're going with this. Okay, so <laughs> as a, as a contract, because this is what I always find really interesting about Tom King scripts is that actually, probably with a Tom King script, and if you look at like Vision or whatever, you're seeing that a, t- a whole ton of work is being done by by the artist, right? A lot right. of like these, yeah. these storytelling things and beats and, and and thematic elements are actually being built in in you know say Vision by Gabe Walter as opposed to Tom King, but because Tom right. King is setting the groundwork that Gabe Walter is then able to build upon, and he's able to take the themes that are being presented in, in in the script and build them and turn you know and kind of create versions of that himself in the work and therefore you get yeah. like a really strong collaboration and it's also an interesting collaboration because it's hard to 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 say like well this 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 thematic element is you know is a is a is it's in the script so it's a tom king thing whereas it, you mm. know it's not quite as simple as that and therefore everyone kind of builds on what, what each other's giving giving but sometimes right. yeah. i've seen scripts where they are so sort of um heavily detailed to the point of negating work from an artist in a sense does that does that make sense it does it does like i've i've actually written a script like that once where um the script was not really about anything but it was kind okay. of terrifying for me to write because it was not about anything it was mm-hmm. there was no genre elements and stuff and i kind of overwrote the hell out of it and the <laughs> artist just came back to me and like he said like i can't work with this this is this is you're not get, giving me any room here right right so that's kind of important that like unless you're alan moore and you can literally build a world in a page and i'm sure some of alan moore's <laughs> artists also had this complaint against him that like you're kind of stifling <laughs> our creativity or whatever but right. but like unless you're 
unless you have the cap- capability of thinking through those things that much you should leave the artist room to work with right yeah yeah and i think yeah. sometimes that's built especially like in you know like in uh, you know monthly comics you might you know find yourself where you've got a writer who's written like four scripts without knowing who the artist is going to be in the first place and so there is an yeah. element of kind of like uh what's the term not artist proof because that makes it sound like they're not going to ruin the script or something but you know what i mean it's like they're trying like you can see sometimes that a script is trying to be but i think i've um, heard writers use that term so i think it's artist proof <laughs> okay so they're trying to make no, something artist proof right I mean, what like someone that... can't change it too much yeah exactly like uh what it means is that like four artists could draw it and the story would the basic story would still kind of come through in all of them right right Right, but by doing which is again but, like why Alan Moore would do that, right? Like he would basically right. not know who the artist was going to be, so he would just write the hell out of it. Because recently, uh, in an interview, he talked about how uh, he saw, I think, uh, Garth Ennis's script, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, you can write a script like that." And he read <laughs> it, and he was like, "Okay, this is this has got everything." Like mm-hmm. I, I overwrite the hell out of my scripts, but this script is also conveying everything the artist needs to know. Mm-hmm. So he kind of started cutting down on that quite a bit. I, apparently, I think, um, um, I think, well, what was the latest one? Shit, sorry. Why am I forgetting? Huh, Providence. I think Providence, he did kind of cut down on the incredible panel descriptions and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like, as a, as a person who is not an artist, who's not drawing <laughs> comics, but for me, it's like, it always feels like some of the, some of the, the stronger scripts that I've, some of the strongest song, the stronger scripts that I've been part of um, uh, that I've seen have been the ones where you're not even so much calling the shot as you are calling like the point of the shot, like the reason for the yeah. shot to exist, the, the or the panel. And that's a cool thing that Tom King does. If you look at his if you look at his scripts, they're like most panels are like a sentence, if that, right? They're like barely a sentence yeah. long. Right, right. And but you're, like you're sometimes getting you the, don't need anything more than on vision. Right, right, yeah. Because you've established everything so strongly to that point. And also on vision yeah. is anything, right? Like I'll I'll imagine on vision completely different than you'll imagine on vision. Um exactly. which means and, that and it, if you have Walter working on this, Walter's clear, clearly like kind of planning the page and kind of designing it. So all mm-hmm. he needs to know that is that vision in the, is in this panel. After that, <laughs> yeah. he knows what to do. Like he's gonna yeah, do yeah. what he's gonna do. So I love, yeah, no, I, I love that kind of style of scripting. It always, to me, always looks like I, I wonder if people wouldn't like worry if they're being lazy or whatever. Like you know, when they only just hand in like a sentence per panel. But if if you know I, who I, you're I, working I, with, like I think there's a yeah, there's also, a beauty to that. Also, I think people um, do sometimes assume that uh, collaborators don't actually communicate with each other outside the script. Um, right. So like uh, I have seen a lot of these in quotes takedowns of certain people's scripts where they're talking about how the artist is doing all the heavy lifting and they just <laughs> assume that the writer and the artist don't talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so, so many of the, uh, uh, okay, there are, there are certain writers that I work with where the scripts are just literally dialogue because right. everything else has been worked out before. Everything else has been worked out on the phone or like in multiple different ways mm-hmm. before it gets to like the script. Uh, itself so there there was probably a version of the script that just said page six xyz happens and then by the time it got to me they didn't need to write that down because the page was there so they just deleted that so it's just the dialogue but that's not what the writer wrote like the writer is like clearly doing other stuff you know Mm -hmm. So not that we're, people not that we're do trying kind to... of think it's a lot more simple than it actually is. <laughs> yeah, and not that we're trying to make excuses. Also, the writer will all the writer will usually see thumbnails and react to them 
so like there's a lot there's a lot more happening outside the script yeah i'm sorry this is just an annoying thing that i keep seeing on twitter and i'm just like you don't you don't think they talk to each other you don't think they have email <laughs> like what so what like so sorry rather no, no, on the topic I, no i think oh, no, wait i do have a couple of more things on the topic i say we veered very far away from the topic i think but no go on go on give me what, <laughs> what you're gonna say yeah i can bring it back like something that puts me off comics is it's 2020 why are people still writing first issues like they're writing them in 1998 like they this that first issue syndrome thing where the the first issue is concept and nothing else Right, right. Is just annoying the fuck out of me. Like it's literally like there's an intro, there's a setup, there's a conflict, and there's a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. issue one. I'm like, why, yeah. why, why are you still doing that? <laughs> there's it's it's weird how so I it's weird how uh, I think it's this is strange. I I do think it's weird how you when you look at a cross section of first issues and what they are doing like structurally. Yeah how basic that structure of a first issue <laughs> essentially is like all the way across the board right for the most part yeah. like you could you can you can break down i think i'm talking very generally but a lot of superhero stuff here is that works on a very simple premise of that you could that you could almost like break down like kind of like within the you know i know that by five by, by uh, page five, like this is going to happen, and I know by page ten, this is going to happen, etc., etc. Exactly. There is a really simple formula to that. There are, and there are, there are such good, like, good examples of how to make that work. Like, you could, you could probably do that with a Brian K. Vaughan script on like almost any issue of Saga, right? Probably like. Uh, the... That's that's sort of what I mean by like a Vertigo comic in nineteen ninety eight. Like it's a right, okay. Brian K. Vaughan script. But okay. but if you read Saga, Saga, Saga doesn't actually read like that at all. Mm-hmm. Like because Saga sets up a lot of different things. Right. Uh, in its first issue. It doesn't yeah. do the like the standard setup. Like the conflict is the conflict has occurred before the issue starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the 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 first issue begins with um, uh, Hazel being born, right? Yeah. And Hazel is narrating from the future already. Like that's so you're not you're not meeting the character here, you're meeting the character in the future. And yeah. um the conflict is that these two have run away from two armies that like hate the fact that they're together right Mm -hmm. but you're coming in at the point where they're giving birth to their daughter so that conflict has happened a long time in the past (laughs) right so they did like brian k1 in 20 whatever that was 2015 or something Mm -hmm. isn't still doing what he used to do in 1998 right 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 right. or 2001 or whenever it was yeah 1998 is just a date um but but there's so many comics that are still kind of doing that like uh, my favorite issue one uh, like just as a start setup for a run is Preacher number one. Mm-hmm. And Preacher number one does so many different things. Like it does end up with the, okay, what is the main conflict of the series? It does end with that, mm-hmm. which is where they're going to, you know, uh, look for God and make him pay or whatever. Yep. But there are so many other things that are being set up in that issue. And the main thing is about the characters. They're not, they're not saying that you should read this comic because this guy is going to kill God. They, right. They're saying you should read this comic because these three people have an interesting dynamic going on, which yep. is displayed to kind of its um, like to an at least an interesting point by issue one already. <laughs> like they kind of given you a lot of meat to chew on yep. already, which is something that I mean, obviously it's a double size uh, issue one. I think it's like thirty six pages or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so one and a half times, but that's still I mean 
there's nothing stopping you from writing a 30 36 page first issue at this point right if you're doing yeah. an image comic or something well, um I, I, the the one that has been stuck in my mind and i only read it like a week ago uh less than that maybe is is that Tyler Boss comic and mm-hmm. i think i was trying to figure out what what it was beyond just like the tone of it cuz it's got a very kind of funny quirky tone um uh beyond the tone like what was it that worked for me and there was an element of it not being drowned in narrative uh, like narration captions to sell the main character and that there is right. enough interactions between characters in different dynamics to make it work and th- i think that's an, i think that's a slightly longer issue as well i think that is about 30 pages but there, right. the, the way the way that explains the the situation with the main character is like via the, a device which is essentially a narration caption which is the character in the blue suit which sets up both the uh, a why is this character climbing out of a manhole cover and also what, what is this character talking about and what relations they have to the story because they don't seem to appear yeah. in the world as it stands they appear it's almost like a greek chorus or something um nice and then you, and then, you, you then you meet the main character and then you, the main character is uh having a conversation at like a, a pharmacist and there's something going on there that's kind of interesting that's revealed through the dialogue there's they they see something uh on the milk carton there's like a, someone missing that they see via the milk carton so you so we're setting up another uh you know element to the storyline and then you see on the photo that's on the milk carton of the person missing also has this main character in it and so there's there's a ton of information that's revealed but it's revealed nice. i i, I kind of want to read this comic It's really good, but it's revealed visually, right? And it's re- and right. where a narration caption would have to give you clarification on certain things, right? The narration caption yeah. would have to say like, "This was my friend," or "This used to be my best friend," or whatever. The visual implies that, but without ever being concrete. And so you get the information as a reader, but it still requires a little bit of work and a bit of mystery from you to see where the rest of it's going to go. And I think because what you have seen in in in, in comics is. been this rise of the narrative caption as a way the narration caption sorry as a way to fill in loads of blanks and get even more story into every issue by doing right. that it, there's there's almost like an well, a there's a kind of a sense of overwriting but there's also a sense of like the mystery and then only really can become the one main mystery of the series and that's the thing you're talking about right. with saga which saga sets up like a like a handful of stuff really cleverly by even even the case of like hazel handwriting her notes from the future sets up a yeah. mystery and it does it yeah. but it does it visually it doesn't doesn't draw attention to itself in the sense of it's not asking you that question specifically but it it exists because of how it, it's rendered on the page and it's the same with kind of what Tyler Boss was doing and so I, i like that's the thing that i would love to see more is is thinking visually about how to get the information across and i think a big part of that is is people see sequences that have to last a handful of pages like the, the comic we were talking about as the bad example uh right. i think the opening sequence is like three pages and it's in it's one scene and at that point yeah. it's I, i have to wonder why couldn't you do that in one page <laughs> like, what? No, also, I, i i will actually i will actually add something more okay. why could you just not do that at all um, <laughs> like for example see saga implies the conflict like you know that the conflict is there you know that these people like that's in the solicit for example that's that, that's right. in the book before you kind of picked it up so the thing <laughs> that is the, the thing that has happened before you picked it up should just not be in the comic like there's no reason mm-hmm. that it's a comic right if it's it was a if this was a prose book that would take you like two pages if this was a tv show that would take you maybe what two to five minutes but in a right. comic that's taking a lot of precious real estate out of your actual story So why not just stick to the actual story and be clever about how you imply everything else? Like right. right. 
Um, you know, I mean, there's a comic that I'm I'm right. I mean, obviously, I'm, I don't mean to praise myself about this, but there's a comic that I'm writing <laughs> where I wrote a whole scene, and by the end, by the time I got to the end of the scene, I was like, that this scene doesn't need to be in the comic because mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that this scene is giving me giving me is one line that I could put put on page twenty that will imply the whole scene. Right, right, right. You know, I don't need the scene itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I, right. I, and I think there's, I think there's also a sense of of not knowing how long, and I, I, like. I, genuinely think if you consider something like uh giant days of which so many scenes take place over just one page and therefore that means yeah. that you can john allison can write a comic that has like 20 scenes in it in a 20 page yeah. comic and you, a lot of comics you read have maybe like four right four scenes, <laughs> yeah right and so by that point it's like it feels like at the end of that 20 pages a you can do so much more when you decide i'm going to try and get this scene how do i make this scene fit one page rather than saying yeah. this scene has to be three pages you can think like well how how would if i would if i did try it how would i get it to one page and would it still would it does it still do the message like do i have to think smarter potentially about how i write this to get it into one page and so i think that's like i always love john allison's giant days as like a good example of like how do you think smart about what actually specifically needs to be on the page and that's a real simple yeah pace too right it's like two balloons a, a panel it's a six grid i think if i remember right um so it's like that's, that's like a real simple a real simple speed a real simple structure and he can do he can tell you like what most comics might take six issues to do in like one because he because the speed yeah. it's working at and it never loses and for that like what does it sacrifice almost nothing right there's no nothing, it doesn't sacrifice yeah. emotional resonance it doesn't sacrifice comedy it doesn't sacrifice character it doesn't it doesn't sacrifice anything and it does so much in that in that in that mold in that system and i think more comics could look at something like giant days and think like do i really need to have these two characters speaking to each other for four pages uh, is it like yeah. is this is this necessary for my reader yeah and also like I, i'll recommend um so i see a lot of image comics doing this which is um uh, i think wicked divine does this quite a bit and uh, um ivan brandon's uh, drifter does this quite a bit like ivan brandon and nick Klein's drifter mm-hmm. which is there's stuff happening between scenes <laughs> right right and like comics are about what happens that's not on the page, right? Like, mm-hmm, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things you can do with comics which are not on the page themselves, and I I think again I I, I think that like I'm kind of banging the same drum here that you need to engage <laughs> with your medium, and your medium is about what is left out, right? And you need to start leaving things out. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't need everything you want to like. Everything you need to write doesn't need to be in the comic. Like, um. Me and Darcy were talking about this. Darcy is the writer of Little Bird. Now, Little mm-hmm. Bird, if you read Little Bird, there's so much that's just not on the page at all. Like there's yeah, so much yeah. that has happened in the past or is happening between scenes or is happening between panels. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Darcy and I were comparing notes on like how much uh, we write that doesn't go on the page. And Darcy literally has like four to six notebooks <laughs> that are right. filled with his notes about Little Bird. Right. That None of that saw the page. But yeah, everything yeah. kind of adds. Like the there's a distillation happening so that what reaches the page is as kind of pure as it can be. There's no faff there. There's no chaff. Yeah. yeah. I think like, that's why a comic you should like, if you, if you just want to write a novel, write a novel, man. Like, (laughs) right. 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 Well, I had that, I had that with protector. So protect, like when I was doing the first, cause we got the first three issues of protector, uh, which is an image book with Simon Roy and Daniel Benson, Artyom Drakhanov, uh, and Jason Woody. 
Um, and we got the first, yeah, so that was like, I worked, people, so like, that's cool. yeah, that was the first three, I worked in the first three issues, like in one batch, essentially. And that mm-hmm. was one where like, the first issue of that is not a traditional first issue. And there is a lot of stuff that happens in the backgrounds that explains characters and explains locations. And even down to stuff like, um, you know, there's an explanation of, of the world and it, it's like a world that isn't fully dis- explained. It, you're not, you're potentially not quite aware in the beginning, if this is like a fantasy world, if this is Earth, if this is some, you know, if this is some combination of the two, and there's a right. caption, uh, I think it's in the first issue, and it's for a place called Chicago, and it's S, you know, it's S H I K K A hyphen G O, and I remember right. at first, like, I remember at first just like lettering that, and I was like, that's a cool name for a place, and then when I went back to, <laughs> I, went, I went back a second time, and I was like, when I was, I was going back over the, the past, and I was like. Oh, that means Chicago, right? That's Chicago, right? Yeah, so this is, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, how did I miss this the first time around? But then by doing that, they've they've created like a history to that that image, this over this overview shot by just via one yeah. caption, right? By just changing the way a word is being written on the page, and it's just like right. you can think differently about how you present these things. It didn't need like two people to talk about how this used to be Chicago or it is Chicago uh, or whatever over the course of two pages to, to explain that there are there are different ways that you can think about it and i think that that is my that was my big takeaway from which is why i want to talk talk about it in this episode my big takeaway from reading this comic the other day was this was like a really good example of of something that felt like it kind of missed the mark of what a comic should not should be doing but like could be doing and i think that was its that was its problem is a comic can be anything but it it could have been something else and i think potentially the other thing it could have been may have been a little <laughs> bit stronger can, comic can be anything as long as it's not this <laughs> well it can i mean it exists right it was on the shelf it exists it can be that i just think it it, it was missing something else right it was missing the thing it could have been that was an awkward yeah. way of describing it but i think you got my point <laughs> Yeah, I do. You understand. No, and it, it feels like a wasted opportunity because we have so many talented artists and we we have a lot of like very talented writers, but uh, comics is at its best when it's doing something that no other medium could be doing. So, um, you know, you should not be trying to do another medium poorly. Just mm-hmm. don't do that, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Make comics. Comics are nice. We like comics. There you go. That's a good way to solve that. That's a good way to end that sequence. End that, yeah, it's that, completely that solved. Like most of these writers should come listen to us. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, like this needed better editing, mostly. Like an editor should be telling them that, you know, like don't do that. Just right. Don't. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not just the writer's fault. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. <pretty much. laughs> so, uh, you know what? Oh man, I was trying to think wow. of a really good segue. Like, I, I thought I thought you were trying to segue during the giant days bit, but like oh, you know, apparently you were not. Yeah. I should have done. That would have been so much better. <laughs> so essentially, hang on, we'll wrap this topic up by saying that basically what we're saying is that everyone should just read giant days and just transpose <laughs> yeah, giant, giant days. Is magnificent days. and it's now over, so you can read the whole thing at once. Yeah, just transpose giant days to whatever story you're trying to write. Just just write <laughs> just, just write giant days instead. Yeah, and the big thing about Giant Days, uh, Biddy, is obviously it's built on a grid. Badoom. Not all there of we it. Go. Well, most of it. No, don't change Some this. Don't it. ruin the segue. Yeah. <laughs> so you, that's that's a clean transition into you talking about grids. There you go. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I was um, I was writing a script the other day, and I wrote the entire script in a four-panel grid, like a two-by-two two grid. Um, mm-hmm. And what I realized was like. 
Kirby does that a lot, right? Like Kirby uses the four grid quite a bit. And while I was writing it, I realized that the most interesting use of that grid is that essentially every image is the same proportion as your actual page. Mm-hmm. And it's big enough that you can actually get a lot of detail into it, unlike on a nine panel grid. So right. like essentially you're doing four splash pages on each page. And like looking at Kirby's work, like I, I'm reading the Eternals right now, and a lot of his four panel grids are also like that. They're very like strong images. They're kind <laughs> of like very solidly built images. Like unlike his uh, more horizontal stuff, it's generally more about like storytelling, about like much more, many more things are happening. But yeah. his like four panel grids are all about like people standing looking angsty and like stuff like that. Like, <laughs> cool, cool stuff. Cool Kirby stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I, and I was thinking was... about grids then. So no, go on. Sorry, sorry, go on, go. On. No, I was just thinking about grids then, and like I was thinking about like what what does each kind of grid give a writer or like an right. artist to do, and why do why are so many people obsessed with grids like in comics? The 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 thought because I was I did a episode of Strip Mile Naked recently that was on Jack Kirby, and um, I loved yeah, and that. it was a good one. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> Thanks. That was all. That was all I brought it up for was just for the compliment. Um, but but I saw because I, I was reading for the Eternals as well, and I saw I love those four grids. I remember one. I can't remember what issue in uh, what issue it's, it's in, but there was one that was just like it was just like four incredibly dramatic faces, right? <laughs> just like uh, in, in each in each box, and I was just remember thinking like what an insane page, and that only it really only works because the four grid as well because the 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 weird. Uh, structure system to each of those faces like really drew attention to the faces specifically yeah. rather than like the way that they were uh, right, because because a four panel grid is like two by two it's all like every image is vertical right yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's there's you you can get a create a lot of vertical depth to it and also like you can just put a face in the middle of it and it kind of fits mm-hmm. it's also it's yeah. weird the four is weird as well because when you cut like I'm trying when you think of uh, grids that there are there aren't any grids that's the only grid that splits the, the page i mean that's a really obvious thing to say it's the only grid that splits a page in that way but what it it means is that you end up just quartering a page um which feels less yeah. can feel less specifically like a grid that it can feel like a way of just cutting the page up like when if you if right, you put right. two you know, if you if you just split a page in half and do two and two you can make that page feel like two very separate standalone images rather than a sequence of two panels um got it, got it and yeah. so that's the thing that when you get when you you know when you start like doing like five six seven panels, then it starts to feel like uh, a, a sequence of images composed. But when you have less, when you bring it down to kind of like maybe three, maybe, but really two and mm. four because they're like equal points. That that's when you can start to see those images as like you can make them very specifically like separate images that just sit on the same page. And by doing that, that, yeah. that completely opens like a whole set of. Um, you know, like story options for you, which is quite, which is quite interesting. I, I, that's what I thought was quite interesting about Kirby doing it. Like, especially those four faces, is it felt like very distinct, like a set of very distinct uh, images, which was not what you would expect to see, I guess, on the comic book page. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I get that. And, um, like it's also, um, like w- what? Why do people do grids? Grids kind of give you a certain rhythm. Like, give a grid is a way of deciding certain things ahead of time, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's essentially all it is. Like, um, rather than like designing every page completely separately, you just like, um, you know, like for example, um, in the Wildstorm number one, um, there's like three different grids being used, 
and they're all i think two different grids sorry but they're all like okay nine panel grid is for this eight panel grid is for this and you mm-hmm. can kind of you know where you are like you you know where you're <laughs> yeah. situated and you can you can kind of get on with it um because i think um like the comic is very interesting in the sense of um like the unit of a comic is not very flexible uh like unless you're doing like web comics and you're doing like the infinite scroll kind of thing right the unit of a comic is a page or like yeah. two pages but like you um, like for example in prose you can have a sentence not ending in the at the end of a page and the sentence just continues like halfway through and yeah. this is something that mazukeli was talking about in his talk where you can't just like draw half a panel here and like a three quarters of a panel there which is actually <laughs> quite interesting i mean you could do that but that would be like a formal choice yeah, right? yeah, yeah. that would not just be normal right while even in even in like film um the minute is not exactly like a there's no there's no like it's uh, it's not kind of a closed medium like that it's kind of more of an open medium and yeah, yeah. comics i think are like the one thing where one storytelling medium where you have that unit where mm-hmm. which is a closed medium like you can't just take away you can't just take away a panel and like you know the cha- page changes like the page has changed when you take yeah. away the panel yeah right so that's why i think grids kind of like are a very interesting kind of way to try and standardize something yeah the the i think the thing with a grid is is and different grids give you different um variations on it but it's it's yeah it's ultimately the same point which it's a way to pace something with a certain level of control and yeah the, the, it has its benefits and drawbacks obviously the, the point is you know if you've got if you're just entirely working within a, within a let's say an eight grid and you never change the eight grid um then you're you, you're limiting the kind of visuals that you can present on the page but yeah, so you can, how, then uh, you can like, also so, be flexible with that grid obviously you know lap them right so very flexible with it correct Yeah so so let, let's talk about this like so grids can essentially be used for a page at a time mm-hmm. rather than the whole book at a time and that's a yeah, lot yeah. of people do that like Ditko mm-hmm. would do like nine panel grids all the fucking time uh Kirby <laughs> did like you know 4 6 8 whatever he kind of felt like once in a while he would do a nine grid as well uh, yeah. but like grids kind of became a thing once people like Alan Moore started saying that oh I'm going to do the whole book on a grid grid right Grid, grid, recently grid they've were always. I'll make like a mini point, which is a slight aside, hmm. but like grids always were the primary form. If you consider uh, right, but but you would strip. never have a whole comic. Uh, I think I think you would have a whole comic like the Ducktales comics used to be on like a six grid or an eight grid, yeah. but that was never a point. Like no, like Don Rosa or like Carl Barks were not saying, "Hey, I'm doing a book on an eight panel grid," and that's interesting. Right, right. Right, right right nobody was saying that it was just like a thing or like yeah. stray bullets stray bullets is not interesting because it's on an eight panel grid it, like uh, david lapham just likes the eight panel grid because it simplifies things for him he doesn't expect the reader to actually like read into it that's you true know? but it does but it, but it gives him benefits and you can i like i would argue that you can see him uh writing and drawing to a grid format like because you can right. see there's that there, there's an interplay on each of his tiers between often between the two panels very specifically so it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like a point where he's saying where he's saying like you know like like 
Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, which is very much making the point of going, look at the fact that this is on a nine-panel grid, right? Like, there is, yeah, like, we are, we, we are using the, the nine grid for a reason. Yeah. But Lapham's not saying, like, look how I'm, look at me using the eight-panel grid, but he uses the strengths of that to make effective exactly. sort of tiers, exactly. yeah. And that, that's my question, though. Like, is it is it actually interesting to do a whole book on a grid, other than the fact that two or three of the most famous comics ever are on a nine panel. Like if <laughs> you don't... take that out, if you take kind of if you take Watchmen from Hell and V for Vendetta out of the equation, yeah, does it don't... remain interesting? I don't think Watchmen's interesting because it was on a nine panel grid, though. I think right. I think a nine panel grid, uh, you know, helped. Moore and Gibbons and Higgins do what they needed to do, but I don't think it's it's interesting because it's a nine grid. It just uses a nine grid in interesting ways, but it uses hmm. but like if you replaced those interesting ways, the images those interesting ways with different images, it wouldn't necessarily be like an effective comic. Like it just uses the grid uh, as a particular pacing tool in an yeah. effective way. Does that make sense? So it's like to me, That's it's like which, say, which, is, yeah. which is like the nine grid. You know, obviously, the nine grid you, we were saying like is the only grid that has a central image, which is an interesting element of it. But it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't that's make actually. The I mean, it... people people are a little confused about why artists like the nine nine panel grid apart from like Alan Moore's uh, thing. <laughs> but it is it is interest. It is an interesting grid because it has a central image. Like right. it's the only grid that you have other than a twenty five panel grid, which is like obviously you, most people don't use that. Yeah, the nine panel yeah. grid has a central image, and you can that's that's a that's a tool, like a central image, a you know, an image that sits at the cross point is mm-hmm. always an interesting tool. Like there's you even if you don't use it, it still remains interesting. Right, but it, but but again, like these are just these the grid a grid is just a system uh that you can use to tell your story. Like mm-hmm. it's still like I don't think it fundamentally necessarily ch- Okay, it does. It can fundamentally change your like your story and make your story more interesting. But if you're writing uh, to use the grid to its advantage, like I, I think when you, you you've got to be very good to get away with using the grid to a point where you're asking someone to notice the fact that you're using the grid, right? Yeah, that's that's where my problem comes in. Like I don't think you should ever have to do that. Like that, right, that's, right. That that becomes less interesting, right? Immediately. There is there is a, a sense that like people use a nine grid because it feels more um, what's the, what would be the term serious? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, like this is that's how a, yeah, that's like how a proper comic is 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 done is with the nine grid. The the nine grid to me is super is like a super lovely grid, primarily because it's yeah. built up on three panels per tier, and three panels per tier is a lovely format because it means that you can do like a you can do like really nice beats to each of those tiers because that's essentially like you're stacking three you know newspaper strips or web comics or whatever on top of each other um right and then it means yeah, that you can I, do you can I've do i've heard boom, that boom, from you before boom, boom, i've not boom, quite boom, boom. kind of figured that out yet but uh but i kind of get get the point like i get like essentially every tier is a unit by itself yeah every tier allows you to I mean, but this is the same with it's the eight panel grid, right? I made I make this argument with David Lapham on yeah. on Stray Bullet as well. But like with three, there is a satisfying way that you can set something up, about like throw throw something in the mix and semi resolve something on each tier. Like you can set right. that up. But then again, that's not saying that no, you know, that, that no other grid can do that. But it's built upon. You can see how you can build upon also, the foundations. Also, you can do the nine panel grid without doing that. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. plenty of examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But for me, it's just like if you there's like why like what would be the reason for you choosing each grid in that format? Like I, Stray Bullets, there's so many like reasons why it could have been built up on an eight-panel grid, and even down to the way like that the box itself feels more compositionally like a almost like a TV screen or something than it does. Yeah, it, uh, it feels like a, like a four by three TV screen. It feels right. like a it feels like almost like a black and white crime series. Right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, yeah, but, but, I, I agree with that. So it's like, but but then on the on the flip side, the cool thing about a nine grid is that uh, because they're vertically they're vertically tall, it means technically mm. it's a little easier in terms of composition for an artist and a letterer, right? Because then yeah, you can yeah. chop off the top third and just act, <laughs> act as so each panel. Uh, it's the same with like an eight grid. You can you, eight grid in theory is 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 technically more suited, better suited to comic books because you need that vertical space to place balloons and whatever else you need in there, um, as opposed mm. to a uh as opposed to a you know horizontally based which is interesting because m- most of our language visual language comes from cinema and television which is uh horizontally composed because we don't need right. speech balloons in that in that medium however in comics we've seen so much of that reflected back in comics so which is why we have so many of these kind of widescreen people talking about the widescreen panels and stuff so it's uh, which is also in the good reason for saying the nine panel grid works because it's a very it's much more suited to the language of comics than uh, an eight grid is for, uh, for uh, six. Uh, yeah, eight, an yeah, eight but, grid. Is, but there's a whatever. different kind of eight grid. There's a different kind of eight grid that I kind of I find quite interesting as well, which is the four by two rather than the two point four. Yeah, when I right. first mentioned it, I was I was picturing uh, Pax Americana, and then when I came back to it at the end, I was thinking of straight bullets, which is obviously very different. Uh-huh, exactly, but but take the Pax Americana grid. Um, I'm doing a book right now, which is in that kind of grid. I mean, it's not it's not very strictly on the grid at all, um, right. but it uses most of the panels are composed vertically like that. And what I find is that I constantly have to break um, the panel borders to kind of place the balloons, right. but that kind of creates its own its own language because. Um, it's almost like a vertiginous way of composing because you have to constantly move your eyes up and down to mm-hmm, follow mm-hmm. the characters and the balloons. And it kind of creates a very nice rhythm, um, which can be used. And then once in a while, it's broken up by ho- horizontal images because right. when you combine four, uh, four images, you just get half the page, right? And then right. that's a horizontal image, right? And that can be kind of used to rest a bit mm-hmm. more, like... Um, that can be, usually those images don't have that much dialogue. They have narrative captions and stuff like that, yeah. so that you're then reading that as an expansive image, while yeah, the yeah, actual yeah. storytelling is always done by these sort of vertiginous, claustrophobic, like vertical <laughs> images, which is quite very nicely kind of done. That's yeah. but that, that's a cool point as well. Is like because that's exactly the the concept is is that the grid itself is not interesting. It's it's how you use the grid. Because, for example, yeah. if you... Or like you November. Tell... November uses like a 4 by 3 grid, right? Right. But if... But if so, so, for example, right, so you're talking about your 8 grid in in 4 by 2 so 4, like, thin yeah. uh, uh, vertical panels. So if, if, you were tra- if you were kind of telling, like, a spaghetti western that was, like, set against big, lush dra- backdrops uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the, you know, like, um, Wild West style... That would be a potentially an, a terrible format to tell your story in because right. you might never get to see these. Big Un- unless you're making that the point, unless unless you're kind of unless the whole point is to kind of make the story claustrophobic against the wide vistas or something like that. Right, but then that's and that's the point. So that, at that point, you're then making the grids 
feel like a reason for existing within the comic and it means the format of the grid allows you to to uh tell the story in a certain way and the thing with the the other thing with the knife grid in that format is that it sort of becomes uh if you if you stick a whole comic in the same format of grid it stops becoming as noticeable so even when you're doing something that would create that kind of tension between i want to see this big beautiful landscape but i can't because you're chopping up into these into these units if the whole book becomes that then you then it essentially kind of allows that to to sort of fall into the background right and you're 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 less going look at me doing this yeah, but I, I don't know if it's deadened because the effect is still there, but it's it's less like you're putting it in the reader's face and you're more making it part hmm. of the world and, and the story. Whereas if you had right. a story that was, you know, was set entirely in uh, widescreen panels and then all of a sudden you had a sequence of three pages that were in these really tight, almost like panel, uh, almost like prison bar panels, then the reader's hmm. really going to suddenly go, oh, I need to, like, I'm supposed to infer something much more dramatic from this. So it's a way of taking the language of um the the way that you know kind of the visuals that you're allowed to work within those panel options in the grid and yeah. it's a way of making them the norm essentially does that make sense right. does that make sense it took a no, long road does, to get there does. i think yeah i think i think that's that's uh, apart from just making things simpler that's actually the one genuine use of a grid where you know that that becomes your standard you're trying to make a certain kind of thing a little more standard yeah, because so, so much of storytelling is juxtaposition, especially in comics, I think so much is juxtaposition, mm. where you're setting like a baseline for what your story will be. I was talking, right. I, I did I did Dan Berry's podcast, and we, we talked a little bit about this idea of like, how do you set a baseline? Because the fun thing with comics is um, your, your, your barometer, your bar for what normal is is, is hmm. unbelievably flexible, so much more flexible <laughs> than I think any other medium. Because, yeah. because there is an inherent falseness to a comic book the moment you pick it up because it requires you to break suspension of disbelief like every minute when you turn a page right you are constantly aware of the fact that this is a story on a page in front of you it doesn't move it doesn't have a life of its own (laughs) beyond what you as a reader bring to it right so you're you're, there's you're already if you're a person that reads a comic book you're already giving yourself a very very flexible suspension of disbelief which a comic can take advantage of so it can be anything it can be drawn in any way it can be a stick figure cartoon like xkcd and still be effective um or it can be like this unbelievably heavily rendered thing and still be effective um yeah and so even, even like as letterers we tend to use that quite a bit like let's say let's say we have a flashback with like where the colorist has colored the lines into red like you know yeah. color holes or something we'll, we'll turn the balloon strokes red right and it's like what what is even that device what does that device even <laughs> mean but somehow it is just taken into stride yeah and it's and because that yeah and it's so like it's so wonderfully flexible and so that's the cool thing with a grid you know in that sense like what we're talking about is you know you you can set that bar for what is the baseline and you could and and then you can change it if if you kind of do more of a flexible page layout like every single page you it's almost like a tool that you limit yourself to have and i'm not saying that like comics that don't have grids are limited but it means that you can't then just adjust the standard look of a page in as in as dramatic right. a fashion as you could if you know eight pages in a row were one grid and then all of a sudden you did something kind of crazy like it, it just becomes an, a tool in the arsenal of what you can use to to, to tell your story effectively Right. Like, for example, if you have rectangular panels for most of the pages and then suddenly you break out of that, that's much more noticeable than if you just don't have rectangular panels throughout your book. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, if everything is yeah. changing constantly every page, like if there's no fixed format and it's all just sliding and changing and then you throw in a page that's got like, uh, 
you know, also like a more dramatic, slidey, changey panel layout, it might not be as effective. It, like it, it may yeah. not work as effectively as it as it may have done otherwise. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I agree. I think yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I got. I, I think. We, I, yeah, I don't know so much what there was to solve, but I feel like if there was something to solve, we we got there. Yeah, comics are good. Like I think I think we keep coming back to that point. Like comics are good and comics are interesting. And you know, I think I think we can move make nice comics. No, I think yeah, I think ultimately if we like I do want to move away from the the the, the idea and if 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 such one exists that like it, because it's on a grid or a type of grid therefore the comic is automatically more interesting than one without. I don't think that's the case. The grid is only as good as the person who's utilizing the grid to do something effective with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's almost like a lazy way of saying this is important because because that's not that's not telling us anything about anything, right? Like the fact yeah. that it's on a grid is interesting to you, the writer, not to us, the readers. It's <laughs> supposed yeah. to make the story interesting. Like you're supposed. Yeah. Like I, I mean, if Watchmen was shit, nobody would be talking about the name on grid. So for sure. That. For sure. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And also, I mean. <laughs> yeah, like trying to kind of trying to milk the idea that we made fewer choices right. as a more interesting fact. Right, is I a get little you. odd. Yeah. yeah, which which is which is why I wanted to kind of talk about this in the first place. Which is that, um, like, I was writing that story, and the thing is that story could easily not be in a grid, but the grid helps. Because it's a certain kind of story. It's it's not a standard like narrative scene by scene story. It's mm-hmm. much more like you, you've read it, right? You've read the comic. And yeah. it's kind of like um it's kind of playing with time quite a bit. And it's kind of like the the narrative captions and the dialogue are saying two different things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So then to kind of um individualize each image, the foregrid kind of helped me uh kind of write every image as if it were itself, but yeah, then yeah. it's also kind of combining with the other three images on that page to kind of say something in one unit, right? Yeah, you're you're so, essentially looking at it from a format of um, so you're talking about, so because your that whole script is written in the foreground, you're but you're essentially looking at it as in in theory each of those images is kind of like a an illustration of a splash. single yeah yeah, and so how do I combine them in a way on a page? And that, so that Correct. leads you to grid. Exactly. Like I think I was halfway through the story when I realized that it needed to be in a grid. Like right. I was not. I was not even like writing it from. Like I. I didn't plan it that way because, right. um, like that ju- juxtaposition of like, um, yeah. It's 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 about that juxtaposition without. Um, there is no. There's no. There's no chronological juxta- juxtaposition on, in these images, right? Like the mm-hmm. the story. It's it's more thematic. There's a thematic juxtaposition why these images are next to each other. Yeah. So then that that foregrid kind of helps it out that way. Like each, each of them feels a lot more like an individual image. Yeah. 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 Is it, and that, and that, and which is, which is like a great way to end it. Cause that's really like what we've been talking about is each of those grid types has a function that it allows itself to do via composition or whatever. And, and yeah. so it's like, so it's about what, what, what is my story trying to do? How am I trying to tell my story visually? And is, is there a grid that works within that format that will heighten the, what, what I'm trying to do, which is, uh, not to give you too much praise, but you found a good system, right? <laughs> you, like you, you had a thing you would try to do with your story, and you found a grid that worked really effectively to do that, and that's why it's a correct. Success. And if if it, yeah, and if if the grid did not help, I should I should move away from it. Like there's yeah. no there's no point doing a grid for its own sake. Because then like, essentially you're should... just limiting yourself for no reason. 
exactly like you're, yeah. you're you could be doing more interesting stuff and then you've chosen not to and then you're not doing anything interesting with the grid <laughs> itself so like right. um, might as well not right yeah yeah i mean uh, take these savage shows there's a lot of readers who just did not even notice that it was on a grid right right and that's fine that's a good thing that's not a bad thing yeah yeah well, yeah, there's, there's, the only, there's only a couple of instances where it's written specifically to draw attention to itself. There's like a handful. Uh, of... And actually, yeah, and actually, I think in those cases, it's drawn to do that rather than written to do that because, right. um, okay. like that that one page that everybody kind of keeps quoting, where uh, the reading order kind of moves a little more like an S, uh, like an inverted yes. S. Um, that was done by Sumit. That was not how Ram okay. kind of specified it. And Ram, Ram basically talks about this in interviews where he just wrote it like a regular nine panel grid, but like Sumit decided to make it more interesting. But but if it not had not worked, then Ram would have probably told him that, you know what, let's 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 go back. Let's let's Yeah. Back. Well, just, just to get another example of how artists are better than writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but there are there are like I was talking to Ram about this, and the most interesting pages for me in that book come a little later when um, there is a, something being done with the centrality of the central image, like right. the fact that it's central, it's kind of saying things about the other images on the page. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things where Ram actually wrote it in terms of um, almost like manga, where uh, there are aspect to aspect transitions, where, which are not adding to the story, but they're adding to the atmosphere. Right, and that is where I think the grid kind of came really handy because, um, because you have nine images on a page, you can do that without sacrificing the reader's attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like in Western comics, That's... and that though the moments that he chose were very interesting to me. Like I, I, I've generally talked to him more about those pages. Can I throw one more example in before we wrap the grids? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that just brought yeah, to yeah, mind absolutely. something that I that I really really liked. So I just reread Lock and Key right from start to finish in like three days. It was like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm I, sh- a, I should do that as well. I think I should I'm a big fan of that comic. Yeah, I really like yeah. it. And it well, a it's a good comic. It's a really good comic. Yeah, but there's a sequence in there where um, I think I have to say a sequence. There's, there's, there's one issue I remember very specifically, but I think it happens in, in a few others. It's an issue um, that I can't remember the, which volume it's in because I read them so quickly, but it's one where Bode, the Bode the kid, uh, mm. turns into a sparrow and then the kind of villain, the villain is like, a, like turns himself into a, or themselves into a wolf. Um, and uh, there's kind of like a uh animal key story thing going on anyway what's right. interesting about about that secret about that comic is that m- most of it i think 90 you know 95% of that issue is told technically in a structured format which you could argue is tantamount to usage of a grid um which is four stacked panels in a uh kind of like a almost like the the, the same um aspect ratio if you would call it that that you would get in david lapham's stray bullets and that kind of slightly slightly right. boxy widescreen kind of look right so it's four stacked panels mm. all on top of each other but then they are placed on top of a splash image so they're they're usually nice. slightly off center right um like slightly to the left or slightly to the right and so you've got a sequence of narrative images so the four images in a tier are the narrative the the just the regular way the story is told as you would expect right. to see in the comic book and the splash is technically is technically 
Yeah, it's a mood image, but it's also technically still a story thing because it's still it's still like it's still a part of it's still like an element of the narrative that's happening. So like, there's nice. one where you've got two characters having a conversation about like um, I think it's about like how safe they are or you know things have been okay for a while or normal for a while. It's something like that. And then the actual splash image is like the villain with like blood on his mouth after he's just come back from being a wolf having killed some animals, right? And it's nice. technically a continuation of something you saw a page before or two pages before, um, and it, but. But it's using that structure to to kind of change, use the the splashes, the mood, while still having a structural approach to the panels themselves, and that's like a super super duper uh, interesting like formal element that is technically like using the grid to establish a pace and tone, uh, but kind of you know putting a grid next to something that isn't a grid. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, I I I like that. I like um, I like. Um, so I was thinking of doing this. Like I'm writing something which kind of would be um, all double page press. I, this is just an experiment. Like I want to just see right, if I can right. do that and it kind of remains effective. So yeah. every every spread would be like a legit double page spread. But individual pages would be like you would be able to read the individual pages by themselves. And right. um, so then like you need to kind of the, the background image needs to double up as a story plus mood image. Like it has to right. yeah, uh, yeah. pull two functions at the same time. Otherwise... Um, you know, it's kind of like you can't justify its existence, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to pay really, attention to lock and key, and I'm. Pardon me. No, it's just that it's, it's an interesting uh, process because you're kind of doing, uh, you're doing kind of dual narrative, right? At the same, like in, in every page, because it's it's impossible right, to yeah. ignore the background. Like you can't ignore that splash image the moment you turn Got the it. page. And so it informs yeah. it. It comes last technically in most instances. It comes after the you know sequentially. It comes after the four stacked panels. However, it also comes first and at all times because it's like you, the moment you look at that page, you you have seen that image. You see you that, can't image. Not see yeah. that image. So it informs everything else you read, even though technically it comes afterwards, which is again something very comic booky. Like you couldn't, you can't do that with film. Right, and that's that's something that uh, I don't remember who was talking about this, but uh, they were talking about how like everybody talks about the page turn image, but nobody talks about the right hand image, which is like, you know, it's the image when when you turn the page over, you see that, but then you move <laughs> to the left, and then yeah, but yeah. you can use that. You can use the fact that when the page is turned, the right side image, even though it comes later in the story, is gonna be visible, yeah, and the reader is yeah. probably gonna look at it, and yeah. then you can do fun things with that. Like yeah. you, you don't have to just concentrate on the left side image, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's with digital, whole other topic. Um, we've got, we've got, a, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. No, no, I'm I, saying I, we, I'm, we've got to talk about this at some point because I'm getting excited <laughs> thinking about it. No, 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 and and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> say one more nugget before we move on, and we don't explain this at all. Um, so <laughs> I'm working on a book right now where the artist is composing it in double page spreads, right. but he's composing it individually, like. There are two individual pages, except he mm -hmm. sends me the files as a double page spread constantly. Right, like all right, the files yeah. are double page spreads. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, wait, he is he understands that everything is going to be read as a spread. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. is he's using that to compose his images. Um, like even though they're the actual images are mostly single pages. I had that. So, I had that with a. I had that with a book uh, that I'm working on at the moment as well. Same thing. Uh, so I was, when I got, because I, I, it was a bit. I had to letter in pencils. There was like three or four pages. I was asked to letter over the pencils, and right. I got those pages, and they came the same way. Right, they came as a big double spread. That was not, but it was two separate pages. 
Right. Was, we should compare. Doing... We should compare and contrast after we are done with this. Super annoying. And, like I want to see. I want to know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> it was very annoying to let her over. <laughs> I had to. When I had to really. I know it's it's quite annoying to let her, but but I'm <laughs> like really I get why he's doing that, and that's interesting. <laughs> it's it's a nice it's nice. Like, but but actually, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, it actually makes you compose the lettering better as well because that's how the lettering works as well, and a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know. So I I generally will will when I'm when I'm uh, putting my PDFs together I will generally put them in a double page spread format just mm-hmm. to see that nothing is too close to uh, the middle and nothing is kind of interfering with the reading there. Yeah, um, yeah. But like this this lets you do that directly while lettering. It. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that was cool. Think- uh, yeah. We 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 need to make that a topic. The right hand. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to talk about there. That's cool. Yeah, well, grids. Sure. We've we've so- we've solved grids. We've solved yeah. every every style of grid. Um, Absolutely, there are no grids solved, left. And we've solved how to make an interesting first couple of pages in your first issue. Yeah, it's pretty. We solved comics again. We're very helpful people. It's it's a pity nobody listens to this because, like, otherwise we would have like comics would be solved by now. <laughs> it was. I I feel like somewhere there's there's definitely data. For me to check how many people make it to the end of an episode, but also I know that I do not want to look at that data. <laughs> that would be so sad. <laughs> well, like, um, I I know Matt Ligeti probably listens to this, and whom we mentioned last episode, right? Yeah, yeah, the episode that has not necessarily not yet come out. Yeah, he's not have able. To, he's not had no, he's a not chance to listen that to that yet. <laughs> yeah, so we'll find out. Like. <laughs> I think at this point Matt would be very creeped out. Like, why do these people <laughs> mentioning? Unless we find out it's not even him and it's literally no one. <laughs> I mean, we're having fun. That's it. That's uh, yeah, exactly. Having. I mean, we get to talk to each other on a schedule. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, let's we'll uh, go back to the, the classic wrap-up of the episode, um, yeah. which is for me to say thanks for checking out this week's Letters and Lines with The Ditcher and Me. You can find the podcast at all the usual places you can find podcasts like SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can keep up with me on Twitter at Aditya B and uh, on my website at And I'm on Twitter at Hassan OE. Plus, you can check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and the magazine at panelxpanel.com. Thanks for listening.